Many self-identifying pro-life individuals claim to be only personally pro-life, not wanting to impose their moral or religious views on others. While opposing abortion in their personal life, they support the legalization of and access to abortion for others. While a seemingly tolerant approach, this position ends up promoting the same worldview that the pro-choice movement supports. So we will examine the intellectual suicide this position commits. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Hey, welcome to the show today. Welcome to Unaborted. If you read the title of this episode and you're now listening to me, it's probably either because you are personally pro-life, but maybe you've supported the legalization of abortion, or you recognize that saying you're personally pro-life but support abortion has some problems to it, but you have never really known the best way to respond to maybe people in your life who say they're personally pro-life but support abortion. So I want to tell you a story about a time in college where I had a friend tell me that she was personally pro-life but supported legalized abortion. And she told me that after I invited her to join the pro-life club that I had started at my university. And after one conversation, I had entirely changed her mind. I'm going to show you how to do that as well. But before I do, I want to tell you about our show's first sponsor, the first sponsor of Unaborted. When it comes to marketing, business owners today are inundated with options. Everything from PR to branding, social media, email, marketing, videos, podcasts, websites. With such a confusing wilderness of choices, it's easy to spend tons of money only to find yourself on the wrong path. Well, Marketing Trail Guide is here to help. Marketing Trail Guide, perfect name for what they do. They show B2B businesses how to get clear on their objectives, define attainable marketing goals, design a strategic marketing map, and put the systems and resources in place to reach their goals. You can think of them as a virtual chief marketing officer. So if you want to get a free marketing evaluation, go to marketingtrailguide.com. That's marketingtrailguide.com. So you can get out of the marketing wilderness and onto the right path to take your B2B business to new heights. Don't try to do this on your own. A jack of all trades is always a master of none. You're going to be spread too thin and your business is going to suffer. Trust the people who know what they're doing to get you out of the marketing wilderness. That's marketingtrailguide.com, marketingtrailguide.com. Now, this argument is very, very popular amongst even certain self-identified pro-life individuals who then go on to clarify their position that they're only personally pro-life, you see, but they actually support legalized abortion. They don't want to impose their moral or religious beliefs on someone else. And I told you I had a friend in college who I invited to join my pro-life club, and she was a little bit hesitant, a little bit resistant because she identified as personally pro-life. She would never get an abortion. She would never pressure someone else to, but she also wouldn't tell someone else they shouldn't, right? Or she would largely support the right of others to choose abortion. And I asked her, I said, let me just ask you one question. Why are you personally pro-life? Why do you 
personally oppose abortion, personally identify as pro-life. Do you know what her response was? Her response was, well, I believe abortion is wrong. Okay, why? Well, because I believe abortion kills a baby. So you believe abortion kills a baby, but you believe that other people should have the right to kill babies? And she was silent and went, oh, yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, this only works with people who are people of good faith, right? Obviously, who are intellectually honest. They're humble enough to say, I don't have it all figured out. This doesn't work with many people who are going to be too prideful to, uh, to admit that they were wrong and will then double down to justify their position. But there are a lot of people in the country today who are open to thoughtful dialogue with people of good faith to try to pursue truth together. And if you care about truth more than you do your own reputation, you will more often than not end up in the right place. And so you see, by asking the question, why are you personally pro-life, I expose the inconsistency in the argument, which is that it is deeply immoral and in fact barbaric to say that you believe it's wrong to kill babies. So you wouldn't do that, but you support the right of other people to kill babies. And in our country, sadly, politicians have long attempted to be personally pro-life while receiving like 100% approval ratings from NARAL, the National Abortion Rights Action League, who give these ratings to politicians dependent on how fierce defenders they are of born women's rights, not unborn women's rights. Those women need to be ripped limb from limb, but only born women's rights. Well, believe it or not, Hillary Clinton circa 1994 pulled this line. She said that she was personally pro-life. Yes, Hillary Clinton, who, if she had become president, would have been far more pro-abortion than Barack Obama had been. And he is currently, to this day, the most pro-abortion president in American history. But in with an interview with Newsweek... In 1994, when Hillary Clinton was first lady, she said, quote, I think abortion is wrong, but, quote, I don't think it should be criminalized. <laughs> and this was, uh, this was what led to the popular Clinton mantra, keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. In fact, that's what she said on June 4, 2007 at the Democratic Presidential Forum. She said abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. And by rare, I mean rare. And that was perceived by large majorities of the American public as a moderate position. Wow, she's such a moderate. At least she's not a, a fetal apologist. At least she's not abortion crazy. At least she wants them to be rare. She wants to decrease abortions. Isn't that what pro-lifers want? No, pro-lifers don't want to decrease abortions. We want to ban abortion, but we will accept victories that decrease abortion on our way to abolishing abortion completely. And so Hillary Clinton who has had 100% NARAL approval ratings as a politician for her entire political career, said that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare, and that she was a personally opposed to it but didn't want to criminalize it, didn't want to make it illegal. This is the same shtick, right? I'm personally pro-life, but I support the legality of other women to arrange the death of their children. And then Joe Biden has long maintained this personally pro-life position, who is currently running for president for, I believe, the third or fourth time. And in a 2015 interview with America, which is a Jesuit-run outlet, he said, quote, I'm prepared to accept that at the moment of conception, there's a human life and being, ready? But I'm not prepared to say that to other God-fearing and non-God-fearing people that have a different view. Abortion is always wrong, Joe Biden says. 
all the principles of my faith, which I make no excuse for attempting to live up to, I don't all the time, but I'm not prepared to impose doctrine that I'm prepared to accept on the rest of the country. This is literally the elongated version of the personally pro-life position. And he's actually saying that his faith informs his pro-life position. So he's not just saying my own subjective moral compass says that abortion's wrong. He's saying his faith informs his pro personally pro-life position, but he would never impose that on someone else, despite the fact that the pro-choice agenda imposes their beliefs on little babies when they dismember them. That is how bad the consequences of the pro-choice worldview are. But what Joe Biden apparently doesn't understand, what Hillary Clinton doesn't understand, who identifies as a Methodist, is that Catholicism and Protestantism actually believe in a series of doctrines and events that they claim to be objectively true. (laughs) Maybe someone should tell this to Joe Biden as he's running for president. Did you know um, that your Catholic faith tradition actually claims to have knowledge about objective reality, namely the objective reality found in scripture? Because he's saying that while my faith informs my position that abortion is always wrong verbatim, I would never tell the American public that it's always wrong. I would never I would never ask them to consider holding the same position. And here is why this is so intellectually untenable. Why this is actually complete intellectual nonsense. If Catholic doctrine is objectively true and abortion is objectively wrong, meaning like regardless of personal opinions, right? Like wrong for all people then why wouldn't you be prepared to, quote, say to other God-fearing and non-God-fearing people that have a different view? Why wouldn't you be prepared to say that? If you claim to align yourself with a Catholic faith tradition that claims to have knowledge about objective reality in the person of Jesus Christ, and then that person, the resurrected Christ who also created the universe, also inspired the writing of scripture, which is authoritative and is therefore objective, why wouldn't you be prepared to Ask the country to at least consider that objective reality that informs your personally pro-life position. It's ludicrous. You you say that you believe in in a faith that claims to have reality, uh, objective truth about reality, but then you say you would never impose that. Imposing just meaning, would you consider this worldview? (laughs) Would you consider that it's wrong to kill babies in the womb? If Catholic teaching about the intrinsic value of all human life is just a moral preference, so if Catholicism or Protestantism is just like picking your favorite flavor of ice cream, all roads lead to God, just pick your favorite road. Pick the road that's the most fun for you to walk on, on your way to the same destination that we'll all reach, which is eternal life with God. If if Catholic faith and the Protestant faith and, and the teaching about intrinsic human value is just a moral preference amongst many preferences, and abortion is only wrong for you, then why are you prepared to accept, Biden says, Catholic doctrine on abortion and attempt to live up to it in your life? Why attempt to align your life and live up to the doctrines of your Catholic faith if your faith is just one of many moral and religious options, if it's not objectively true, why devote your life to trying to, quote, live up to the principles of your faith, is what Biden says. It's nonsense. If, if it's just a myth or if it's just subjectively true for you, you're wasting your time devoting your life to something that is a preference. 
But if it's objectively true, and the teachings of the Catholic and Protestant faith tradition are objectively true, one of those teachings being that abortion is morally wrong, then why are you unwilling to say to other God-fearing and non-God-fearing people, abortion is wrong, abortion is morally wrong? So this whole position is entirely intellectually untenable. And yet Joe Biden, of course, also has a 100% approval rating from the National Abortion Rights Action League for most of his career. So next, I'm going to show you how you can quickly expose the intellectual suicide this argument commits. I'm going to give you the tools to do that. But first, I have an exciting announcement. This fall and spring semester, in partnership with Students for Life of America, I'm going on the road for my university speaking tour which is called Abortion is Genocide. This is important. We have forgotten our history, and a country that forgets their history, as you know, is doomed to repeat it. I'm discussing how genocide has always entailed the dehumanization of a victim class that you want to eliminate for your own financial or political reasons. And when you strip personhood from a group of people, and then you convince a society that that victim class doesn't have personhood, doesn't have human value, it becomes very easy to justify and rationalize their mistreatment and slaughter. So just as Nazis said that Jews were not persons, just as white racists said that blacks were not persons, we now say that unborn children are not persons, and therefore we can kill them at a million a year and protect it legally and call it reproductive health care. And the end result of genocide and of dehumanization is always the same, dead, innocent human beings, because bad ideas have victims. That's what I'm going to be talking about. So if you want to bring that exciting and historically robust lecture to your university campus, reach out to me. I have a couple more spots in the fall semester, and then I'm already booking for the spring semester. So contact me through social media or through my website, and let's get this speaking tour to your campus. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Unaborted. So as I just said, I'm going to show you how you can quickly expose the intellectual suicide that this personally pro-life argument actually commits. And the way we're actually going to do that, interestingly enough, is we're going to use the lessons of history. As I was just talking about with my speaking tour, when you forget the lessons of history, you're doomed to repeat them. So I'm going to show you how we can use lessons from our history and apply them to this argument that says I'm personally pro-life and see if the personally pro-life argument would hold up if you were personally pro something else, personally anti something else, and see if there's intellectual consistency. Because as it turns out, there were many, many people who supported slavery who claimed to only be personally opposed to slavery. But they supported the legalization of it. They supported the rights of states to decide whether they were going to enslave black people and treat them like cattle. And so we're going to use some of our lessons from history in the very in the history of this same country to expose the intellectual suicide the personally pro-life argument commits. And so if you're familiar with Stephen Douglas, you'll know that he was the 1860 Democratic Party nominee for president and participated in a series of, I believe, six or seven debates with Abraham Lincoln. And they're called the Lincoln-Douglas debates. They're very popular and the entire scripts are available online. And you see, Stephen Douglas was personally opposed to slavery. And throughout the series of these debates, he would hint at the fact that he was kind of just in the middle about it, sort of against it, 
um, but kind of went either way. But ultimately, he supported the right of each state to vote it up or down, to decide for themselves, right? I'm personally against enslaving and whipping black people because of the color of their skin, but I support the right of other people, slave owners and politicians in other states to decide whether they want to ban slavery or not, or whether they want to continue treating black human beings created in the image of God like cattle. And so his fifth debate with Abraham Lincoln in Illinois on October 7th, 1858, Abraham Lincoln attacked the idea that you could call slavery wrong, but still support its legalization. And Abraham Lincoln has some very important moral lessons for us here as it applies to the issue of abortion, where people are saying that I can be personally against abortion, but support the legalization or access of other people to arrange the death of their unborn children. Here's what Lincoln said in his fifth debate with Stephen Douglas. He said, if you will take the judge's speeches and select the short and pointed sentences expressed by him as his declaration that he don't care whether slavery is voted up or down, you will see at once that this is perfectly logical if you do not admit that slavery is wrong. If you do admit that it is wrong, Judge Douglas cannot logically say he don't care whether a wrong is voted up or down. Judge Douglas declares that if any community want slavery, they have a right to have it. He can say that logically if he says that there is no wrong in slavery. But if you admit that there is a wrong in it, he cannot logically say that anybody has a right to do wrong. That's exactly right. If you admit that something is morally wrong, objectively, then you cannot go on to say that somebody has a right to do that wrong, that somebody has a moral right that should be legally protected to do that wrong if you've admitted that the act in question is wrong. Imagine saying, I'm personally against owning blacks. I'm personally against slave owning, of treating human beings like property, like chattel. But if others want to own slaves, that's none of my business. If my neighbor wants to buy children and adults and treat them like animals and enslave them without pay and whip them when they take him off, that's none of my business. You do you. Whatever works for you, do it. But I think it's morally wrong and I would never practice it. That is illogical. If you say that something is wrong, you cannot logically say that anybody has a right to do that wrong. It's equally illogical to say I'm personally pro-life because I believe abortion kills a baby, but I believe other people have the right to kill their babies, right? And this was the, this was the intellectual suicidal assumption that I exposed with my friend from college when I asked her, why are you personally pro-life? Because I believe abortion kills a baby. So you believe abortion kills babies, but you think other people should have the right to kill babies, you see? So unfortunately, this argument has been used before to justify slavery as a seemingly tolerant position, right? I wouldn't impose my moral or religious beliefs on people who want to buy black people. I just wouldn't buy them and treat them like property. It's equally illogical to say that it's I think it's wrong to kill babies, and that's what abortion does, but I support the right of other people to kill they're babies. And this what leads to this popular bumper sticker, don't like abortion, don't have one, right? It, it, it treats abortion like a preference issue. If, if you don't like abortion, if you're personally opposed to it, that's fine. Don't have one. But don't impose your moral or religious beliefs on someone else. Here's the catch, you guys. 
Personally pro-life people are actually pro-choice people because the pro-choice movement believes this. They believe in maintaining and protecting legalized abortion. That's what it means to be pro-choice. It means that you support legalized abortion and that everyone should have access to abortion because each person decides for themselves. And they should decide in their own lives whether that's wrong or right, whether they're prepared to have a baby or not. Well, that's that's the pro-choice position. So if you say, I'm personally against abortion, but I support the legality, you're no different than a pro-choice person. Because a pro-choice person might feel uncomfortable with abortion themselves, but if they support legalized abortion, they're pro-choice. You're still pro-abortion. So don't be tricked by this personally pro-life position. Don't let people in your life convince you that somehow that they're the party of tolerance. That's a deeply intolerant position against unborn children who, um, to whom it is cold comfort that they're personally pro-life because those people still support the legally sanctioned, sanctioned killing of those same babies. So this argument commits intellectual suicide and is entirely intellectually untenable because if you're personally pro-life, you're still promoting the worldview that says that human value is entirely determined by how others view you, whether they want you or not. But that's the precise worldview that personally pro-life people claim to reject in their own life because they say, I wouldn't get an abortion because I believe abortion kills a baby. Well, the only reason it would be wrong to kill a baby is if babies have value. So you're saying you believe babies have value in the womb and therefore abortion is morally wrong, but you support the legalization of it. So you're, you're, you're campaigning for the same worldview that you claim to dislike, and it's a worldview that says human value is found on your wantedness or convenience. So this, it, it makes no sense. It's intellectually untenable. It is contradictory because you cannot say something is wrong and then say people have a right to commit that wrong. So there's no middle ground here, right? There's no middle ground. You can't be personally pro-life. As it pertains to the issue of slavery, either slavery is objectively wrong because it brutally mistreats human beings with intrinsic value, so we should all be opposed to it, or slavery is not wrong because slaves have no intrinsic value. So what is a person? What is a person? If black people are persons, or if anyone who's ever been treated as a slave or enslaved is a person, then slavery is wrong <laughs> because we know that persons have intrinsic dignity, worth, and value and deserve to be have their lives protected. So the same question has to be asked on the issue of abortion. What is a person? What is the unborn? Are they just blobs of insensate tissue, in which point it would be okay to be personally against it? but support the legalization of it if abortion doesn't kill a human being. But if it's a human being who shares our common human nature and value, then you cannot say it's wrong for you, but right for other people. So at the end of the day, we just have to answer the question, what is the unborn? And the science of embryology has, of course, answered that question. It's a human being. Now, there's an aspect of this argument that seeks to be tolerant by saying that they don't want to impose their morality, right? But the thing is, is that imposing morality can actually be a very good thing. You should be thankful when morality is imposed if you're preventing horrible, immoral acts against innocent human beings. We impose morality all the time. We impose morality when we pass laws against rape, against theft, against incest, against murder, against lynching, because the victims of those crimes are innocent human beings with intrinsic value. That is the culture imposing a more, that's the, that is the government imposing morality. 
saying it is morally wrong to kill innocent human, human beings, to kidnap and rape little children. These things are morally wrong. We are imposing morality by banning these things, by making them illegal. So the question is not about imposing morality, but rather what is the unborn? Because if the unborn is a member of the human family, then they are just as worthy of our protection as are the born children that we have laws against kidnapping and raping, as the women that we have laws against raping. If they're not a member of the human family and don't share our human nature, then who cares, right? You can stump for abortion all you want. So the entire question comes back to what is the unborn, as it always does. And if we acknowledge reality, not ideology, reality of the science of embryology, for example, that says that unborn children are biologically human, then we have to be advocates of human equality by advocating for the right to life and protection of both born people and unborn people. Now, the second aspect of this argument that I'm personally pro-life, but I wouldn't impose my moral or religious beliefs on others is the religious aspect, right? People say, I don't want to impose my religion. And you hear this all the time from certain pro-life individuals who claim to be Christian, but then claim to say that it's only because of their Christian worldview that they're pro-life, right? So th like that's only informed by my faith. So why should I impose a solely Christian position on non-religious secular Americans that don't share that religion, right? So the belief is that the, that believing that the unborn is a human being with a right to life is solely a religious belief. But is that true? If you believe that the unborn is biologically human because you listened in your high school biology class and that therefore they have a right to life, is that solely a religious belief? Well, many people would say so. Many people would say so. In fact, in 2016, I debated a feminist women's studies professor at Cal State University, San Marcos. Her name is uh, Miss Chadwick, Cecily Chadwick. And in her opening statement, she told a story rather than presenting facts or data or a moral argument to back up her position. She told a story of a group of Catholic nuns amongst uh, thousands of other women, actually, who were raped by the Serbian army during the Bosnian War. Um, and there were, there were plenty of acts of human human violation, human rights violation at that time. Well, one of the many women who got pregnant during this rape and pillage by the um, Serbian army was a young nun by the name of Sister Lucy Bertruz, Sister Lucy Bertruz, and she chose to keep her baby that was conceived in rape. And she said, someone has to begin to break the chain of hatred that has always destroyed our countries. So I will teach my child one thing, love. This child born of violence will be a witness along with me that the only greatness that, give, that gives honor to human beings is forgiveness. I mean, this is ama that's amazing, right? That's obviously, that's wonderful. She made what? The right choice because unborn children should not be forced to suffer for the crimes of their father. But Cecily Chadwick, the woman I was debating, called this a noble choice given her religious beliefs. It was a noble choice given her religious beliefs, I guess meaning that it wouldn't have been a noble choice if it wasn't informed by her religious beliefs. And she then asked this question to me and to the audience listening to our debate. She said, why should Sister Lucy's choice 
which was a religious one, be imposed on others who don't share those same beliefs. Now, I had actually went first in this debate, so I had laid out a case for the science of embryology that the unborn child is biologically human and that we as a society reject the killing of innocent human beings. Well, if the unborn child is a human being, then we should reject abortion. She didn't address that at all, but merely assumed that Sister Lucy's choice was in fact solely a religious one. But it was not solely a religious one. So in one second, I'm going to explain how Miss Chadwick misunderstands the nature of religion specifically the Judeo-Christian worldview, and why pro-life Christians are not imposing their religious beliefs any more than Christian abolitionists were imposing their religious beliefs by trying to end slavery. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the abortion wars, from the pro-life movement, then head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted. That's patreon.com slash unaborted. And become a patron of the show because we need your help. Greg Cunningham, longtime pro-life leader, once said that there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them. That's because killing babies is very profitable while saving them is very costly. It is costly to save the unborn children in our midst from dismemberment because it is nearly 47 years of legalized abortion and an abortion-minded culture that treats abortion as a reproductive healthcare women's decision. We need your help in order to expand the reach of this show to more Americans, to more young people, who I believe will be the pro-life generation of parents who don't know how to disseminate through the news and events on the front lines of the abortion wars in order to inform their children. For Christian leaders and pro-life leaders to have a place to receive encouragement, equipping, education, and some humor so that they can go back out and be a voice for the unborn. So head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted and become a patron of the show. Two, three, four, five, ten bucks a month to help us increase the production value, bring on guests, and send you out more equipped and encouraged to defend life. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Unaborted. So as I just said, Cecily Chadwick, this woman I debated in 2016 at Cal State San Marcos, completely misunderstands the nature of religion, specifically the Judeo-Christian worldview. And she treats the decision of Sister Lucy, who chose to keep her baby that was conceived in rape as a solely religious choice. And then asks the question, why should her choice, which was a religious belief, a religious choice, be mandated onto others, be imposed on others who don't share those same beliefs. But this understands the nature of religion and the nature of the moral arguments against abortion, because the pro-life movement is arguing that abortion is objectively wrong, meaning it's wrong for all people at all times and in all places. Now, you can offer an argument as to why that is wrong. You can offer an argument and try to convince pro-life individuals that abortion is a subjective issue a preferential issue like picking your favorite flavor of ice cream or which university you want to attend. But you can't just assume that abortion is purely a religious issue or a subjective issue informed by personal religion or personal morality and therefore shouldn't be imposed on others. Because abortion is not wrong because the Bible says so. Okay, The Bible condemns abortion because it's objectively wrong. The reality that abortion is wrong 
The truths that scripture acknowledges when it says that human beings are intrinsically valuable and that it's wrong to shed innocent blood, it says those things because those things are objectively wrong. They're not wrong because the Bible says they're wrong. The Bible condemning certain behaviors doesn't make them wrong. It's because they're wrong that the Bible condemns them. Does that make sense? So if something is objectively wrong, it's wrong for all people, regardless of religious affiliation. If something is objectively true or objectively false, it is objectively true or false regardless of how your religion informs your position on those things. The Christian worldview claims to have knowledge of objective reality centered around the person of Jesus Christ and that his resurrection changed human history. So therefore, what he says and the scripture that he inspires is also objectively true. Now, whether you believe that or not is beside the point. The claim is that it is an objective claim, and you need to offer evidence that it's not objective rather than assuming that pro-life beliefs are merely subjective religious ones that are being imposed on others. So the same moral law that guides people to say that slavery is objectively wrong also guides people to say that abortion is objectively wrong because slavery and abortion are wrong for the same reason. At, at, at the end of the day, at the bottom line, they're wrong for the same reason because they're both horrendous violations of human rights, right? Both abortion and slavery horrendously mistreat innocent human beings. And with slavery, sometimes end in their death. With abortion, almost always end in their death. Now, whether people who oppose slavery are consistently applying that moral law in their opposition to abortion or not is another matter. But the same moral law informs their opposition to slavery that informs a pro-life individual's opposition to abortion because that moral law is objective. It's written on the human heart. And this is what explains the objective nature of the issue of abortion. Now, whether people are going to acknowledge that the reason they oppose slavery is because God is the moral lawgiver and he's given this moral law and it's how I have to live my life. They may not acknowledge that. They may reject the authority of God, but they're still going to apply that moral law that says human beings are intrinsically valuable and shedding innocent blood is wrong when they oppose slavery, when they oppose sex trafficking but they won't always oppose abortion. So they're inconsistently applying this moral law that we kind of all live by, that we kind of all expect other people to treat us according to. So how do we know that abortion is objectively wrong? How can we offer an objective argument for the immorality of abortion without making a religious argument, without citing Bible verses to make our case? Well, it's actually just very, very simple. Pro-lifers just basically offer a syllogism. It's just a reasoned argument. It just says, if this claim is true and this claim is true, then this conclusion has to be true. That's what a syllogism is, okay? And here's the pro-life syllogism. Here's the argument for why abortion is objectively wrong for all people at all times and in all places, regardless of religious affiliation. Premise one, it is always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. And guess what? Everyone agrees with that premise. Almost everyone. Yes, it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. Premise two, abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. The conclusion would be that abortion is morally wrong if both of those premises are true. Of course, it's going to be premise two that supporters of abortion take issue with. They're going to say, no, abortion does not intentionally kill an innocent human being. It's not a, it's, it's not a human being. It's not a person maybe, right? Um, or, that, or that abortion is acceptable and that it's not really killing because it's not a person or the mother's rights really take precedent. So, 
at the end of the day, that's the premise that they're going to attack. But the science of embryology is clear. The unborn child is biologically human. So if you agree with the first premise that it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings, reality is going to force you to accept premise two if you're a person of good faith in search of truth. Because almost everyone agrees abortion kills something. There's blood and there's arms and there's a beating heart that stops beating. So abortion kills something. Well, the embryology tells us that it's, it's a human being. So abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being. That conclusion leads us to accept that abortion is morally wrong. That's how we know abortion is objectively wrong. That's the argument, at least, for why abortion is objectively wrong. And for pro-choice individuals like Cecily Chadwick, who I debated, to merely assume that pro-life expression in opposition to abortion is solely a religious view informed solely by religion and should therefore not be imposed on the rest of America is, is extremely cynical and, and, and not a move of good faith. It's very clear that that is an ad hominem attack against Christians, right, in order to demonize them and make them sound like Christian religious fundamentalists who are trying to shove their religion down people's throats. But it's no more religious for pro-life Christians to say abortion is objectively wrong than it was for Christian abolitionists to say slavery is objectively wrong if we accept the premise that it's always, it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. And as it turns out, there are plenty of organizations and individuals in our country who are atheists who reject the existence of a god, but are members of the pro-life movement and have devoted their lives to protecting unborn children and ending abortion. Well, clearly, they are not being driven or informed by a Judeo-Christian worldview because they reject the existence and reality of such a worldview. Here are some examples. There is a group called Secular Pro-Life, Atheists for Life, Pro-Life Humanists. My uh, new friend, Teresa, who's the executive director and founder of Pro-Life San Francisco, on her bio, okay, this is not something she wouldn't want me to say, on her bio, it says she's an atheist feminist Democrat, but she's the executive director of an organization called Pro-Life San Francisco. There are plenty of non-Christians, non-religious people, depending on how you view religion, right? We could say that atheism, secular humanism, these are religions because they have a worldview and they have a lens in which they interpret reality and inform their decisions. But more in the historical sense of religion, these are not religiously driven people, and yet they accept the claim and the reality that abortion is an indefensible act of violence that ends the life of a defenseless unborn human person. On the pro-life humanist websites, here, here's what they say regarding their beliefs. Pro-life humanists affirm the biological evidence that the development of a human body is a continuum and with exception of a sexual reproduction, as in twinning or cloning, begins at sperm-ovum fusion when two human beings' sexual cells form a distinctly new whole an entity that will continue its development and growth until adult maturity, barring interruption from illness or violence. We oppose discrimination against biological humans on the grounds of what they look like and how they function, and we believe that abortion should be rejected on the same grounds as racism, sexism, and ableism, which place greater importance on what the human entity does and looks like than on what the entity in question actually is. What a beautiful articulation of the pro-life position. 
all human beings are intrinsically valuable. And that value begins the moment you begin, which is the moment of conception. And any worldview that defines human value based on your wantedness, convenience, or functions and capacities should be rejected wholesale because that same worldview can be used to justify the killing of born people. And it's therefore abortion is wrong in the same grounds that they say as racism, sexism, and ableism. Because they're exactly right. Those place greater importance on what a human entity does or looks like or can perform than on who they are intrinsically. That is, that is true. That is exactly what pro-lifers believe. And these are pro-life humanists who reject the Judeo-Christian worldview. So clearly this is not a solely religious movement or claim to say that it's wrong to kill babies in the womb. Dr. Landrum Shettles was the attending obstetrician gynecologist at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center in New York for 27 years and a pioneer in sperm biology. And in his book, Rights of Life, written in 1983, he said, I oppose abortion. I do so first because I accept what is biologically manifest, that human life commences at the time of conception, and second, because I believe it is wrong to take innocent human life under any circumstance. My position is scientific, pragmatic, and humanitarian. Notice the commonality between the pro-life humanists website and Dr. Landrum Shettles begins with the affirmation or rather recognition of what the science of embryology teaches. This is biologically true, undisputed scientific fact. Human beings begin at the moment of conception. That is what informs pro-life expression, not solely religious beliefs. And then lastly, Bernard Nathanson, who if you're not aware of, you need to know his story. He's the co-founder of the National Abortion Rights Action League. And he owned and operated what was in the 70s, the largest abortion clinic in the Western Hemisphere and was directly involved by his own admission with over 60,000 abortions. I mean, this man bought the pro-abortion lie wholesale and is personally responsible for the deaths of tens of thousands of little babies. Well, he became pro-life. And he wrote a book called Aborting America in 1979. And here's a part of what he said. He said, I think that abortion policy ought not be beholden to a sectarian creed, but that obviously the law can and does encompass moral conviction shared by a variety of religious interests. But in the case of abortion, however, we can and must decide on the biological evidence and on fundamental humanitarian grounds without resorting to scriptures, revelations, creeds, hierarchical decrees, or belief in God. Even if God does not exist, the fetus does. <laughs> now, again, you know I'm a Christian. I believe in the Christian worldview. I believe that Jesus predicted and pulled off his own resurrection and changed human history forever. And the only way that human beings could be forgiven of their sin and find eternal life and spend eternity with Christ is through repentance and then the forgiveness of sins and the alien righteousness conferred on them by Christ. But I am happy. I'm overjoyed to work with people who don't share that, my Christian worldview in the pursuit of ending the killing of children in the womb. And Bernard Nathanson is saying the same thing, that even if he doesn't believe in God, we know that the fetus does exist and they're currently being targeted for abortion by a country that was founded on the idea of the right to life. And if that's true, that all human beings' lives need to be protected regardless of their size, their development, their location, or how dependent they are. So what is the consequence of all of this? 
right, of, de of defining abortion as a personal preference issue. So, so you see, you can be personally pro-life. You can personally not like abortion, but if you don't like it, don't have one and support the right of other people to kill their unborn babies. What is the consequence of all this, of, of, of buying that lie and living your life like that? Well, I'm going to tell you the consequence of that. If morality, if the morality of abortion is for each person to decide, then the value of the unborn child is for each person to decide because abortion, what? ends in the death of whatever's in the womb. So if abortion is, is up for people to decide the morality, then the value of the baby in the womb is up for each person to decide if that baby has value or not. So if human value is not intrinsic, but rather determined by a power class, in the case of abortion, the abortionist and the parents are the power class, right? They're the ones making decisions whether their child dies or not, then all humanity loses. We all lose when we define human value on arbitrarily selected criteria that the power class gets to determine, then human equality is destroyed. You can chuck human equality out the window. It's a myth. If human, if human value is determined by a random criteria of checkboxes that those who are stronger get to come up with, <laughs> we all lose at that point. Because Human beings do not share those capacities and functions equally. But if you say human value is based on those capacities and functions, then human value would, would differ and change. So those who had, let's say, a greater self-consciousness would have greater right to life than those with less self-consciousness, right? If human value is based on those criteria, then those who can evidence more of that criteria would have greater right to life. This is why human equality becomes a myth if human equality is not intrinsic, and to return to Honest Abe, our friend Abraham Lincoln, we're going to close out this episode today by having Lincoln articulate for us what are the consequences of doing this. And in his piece called Fragments on Slavery in 1854, four years before his debates with Stephen Douglas, he articulated what happens and what are the consequences if you say human value is not intrinsic, but it's based on certain characteristics, capacities, or functions that other people determine, here's the consequences, according to Lincoln. You say A is white and B is black. It is color then, the lighter having the right to enslave the darker? Well, take care. By this rule, you are to be a slave to the first man you meet with a skin fairer than your own. If human value is based on skin color, those with a lighter skin color have more value, and those with a darker skin color have less value. Human value becomes a sliding scale. He goes on and says, you do not mean color exactly. Okay, you mean that whites are intellectually the superiors of blacks and therefore have the right to enslave them? Take care again. By this rule, you are to be a slave to the first man you meet with an intellect superior to your own. But you say it is a question of interest. Oh, okay, and if you can make it your interest, you have the right to enslave another. Very well. And if he can make it his interest, he has the right to enslave you. Do you see the consequences here? If human value is not intrinsic and it's not something that we all share in virtue of being a human being, and according to the Judeo-Christian worldview, being created in the image of God, that the same God who breathed out stars actually breathed life into you and created you, then you can chuck human equality out the window. And if you base human value on things that human beings don't share equally, then those who have a greater degree of that criteria would have a greater right to life. That's the consequence. And he was responding to people who were arguing for the morality of slavery based on this same worldview. 
that says human value is found in arbitrarily decided and selected criteria determined by a power class. This is why we should reject abortion just as we do racism, sexism, and ableism. Well, that's all we that we have time for today. Thanks for joining me today. And head on over to iTunes and Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen, and give this show a review and a rating to enable us to reach more people. And if you want to learn more, engage with me online. If you want to book me to speak somewhere, look at my pro-life training videos, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com. And sign up for my newsletter. Check out my speaking schedule if you want to hear me speak somewhere locally and invite your friends or book me at your local un- university so that we can continue unabated and, un- and um, in- encouraged in the battle for life for our unborn neighbors and their mothers and fathers. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next week. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Unaborted. <laughs>